Coffee for today's episode of the Morning Spotlight Podcast was provided by Spotlighter Lanel Grammatica. Thanks, Lane. Really appreciate it. And for all the Spotlighters out there, if you want to support the show and keep us caffeinated, go to themorningspotlight.com and click Buy Mike a Coffee. The Morning Spotlight Podcast is sponsored by Fidelity National Title Group, the nation's largest group of title companies and title insurance underwriters that collectively issue more title insurance policies than any other title company in the United States. If you have questions, need a quote, or want to place an order, shoot yours truly, the coolest guy in title insurance, an email, and I'll be happy to help. Check the show notes for my email address. Hey, Spotlighters, Mike Cam here, the coolest guy in title insurance and your host of the Morning Spotlight Podcast. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. We have a great guest that I know is going to absolutely blow you away. If you like what you hear, please smash that subscribe button and leave us a review. And remember, when it's time for you to purchase title insurance, there's only one guy you should be calling, and that's me. Check the show notes for my email address, and let's get this train rolling and start the show right now. Good morning and welcome to the Morning Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cam, coming to you as always from the Spotlight Studios here in Morristown, New Jersey. My guest today is a tax advisor, coach, author, and speaker. He is also an ultra marathoner who's passionate about the lifetime benefits of endurance sports. Over the last 34 years, he has tested himself and triumphed over hundreds of endurance races throughout the world. His friends still call him Wayne the Train and the Grinder as he pushes to always finish no matter how bad the circumstances. He is Wayne Kurtz. Wayne, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's Hello, it's great to have you on. Yeah, great to have you on. So can you explain to me what it's like to have a nickname like Wayne the Train? Because that's a badass nickname, just to be straight up with well, you. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. So I don't know how old the audience is, but you know, I'm a Pittsburgh guy. Okay. I've lived in New York. I've missed 9-11 by one day. And this, this term came to me by a famous running back in Pittsburgh who played for the Pitt Panthers back, back in the day it was the Pitt Panthers called Wayne the Train DiBartolo. Okay. And the guy would just grind and grind and grind. And he was a fullback. I did not play football. I played baseball and swam in college, but it kind of started from there, which was the whole point when the fraternity days and all the way through my career of you kind of just keep grinding like a train. It keeps kind of moving on. And I've always viewed it that way in terms of life. You don't always have to be the fastest in the first there and execution of business or a race. It's always about finishing. So for me, yeah. that's how it kind of came. And my fraternity brothers kind of gave it to me, I think. No, it's good. It's good to have people that can give you a nickname. And with a last name like Cam, you could imagine that I have several nicknames. But um, <laughs> I yeah. bet you do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, it's funny. I also played college baseball. Fun fact. Um, so we have that in common. Uh, cool. but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always cool to get like people on here that I find that out as we're talking. So, uh, yeah, sure. played in college, coast college baseball for like four or five years. And <laughs> now I'm selling title insurance and doing a podcast. So you could really imagine how my life has changed for the better. <laughs> so, um, all right. So you're, um, a tax advisor. That was the first thing <laughs> I get it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So you're a tax advisor. That's the first um, uh, thing that I mentioned in your bio when I was introducing you. Um, so we do a lot of real estate on these Tuesday episodes. This is going to be no different. So we're gonna, we are going to talk a little bit about real estate and then get into more of 
what makes you you after that. Um, but uh, let's talk about sure. as a tax advisor, what are you seeing in the real estate industry right now? So, I mean, I, I guess if I take a look in, for our, I've got an accounting firm. We've got three different offices, two different states, two here in Pittsburgh and then one in Cleveland. And in, and I have clients, I think now in I don't know, 48 states, I think at this point. So I'm getting old. So we got a lot of clients, in a lot of different places who deal with a lot of different things. And I would say probably 40% of them deal in real estate in some form, either they own real estate outside of their house. And I think like anyone else, I mean, the biggest thing I've seen in the conversations have been, holy heck, the value of my property has kind of gone through the roof. Do I take the gain? Do I defer the gain in a 1031 exchange? And more importantly, it's about the concern. And it is a concern when we're starting to see kind of across the country that prices are starting where you're not, they're not overbidding everything, especially in the residential market. That's what right. I'm seeing. And even on the West Coast, even in San Diego, where we finally start seeing prices go a little bit lower. And, and you know, and I think there's a concern of raising interest rates. If the Fed raises rates, which is, is a good expectation in the fall, what's that going to have the effect on housing prices? And we know the whole story when rates go up and housing prices. So I have to say, there's been a lot on it. Um, a lot has been related to uh, a lot of our clients who have rental properties. I don't know how many of your audience have rental properties, but there's this big thing called depreciation recapture. And if any of you have uh, rental properties, you know the tax pain that can happen if you've owned a property for a long period of time. And I'll give an example of one. I had a client this year, real quick story. He had a rental property, three, four unit property, bought it, made about $350,000 gross, gross profit on it. He held it for 34 years. Okay. So it sounds great, but he had yeah. a, a long time. He sold it under an installment sale, seller financing. He actually had to pay more in tax than he actually received in the down payment on the note. Perfect. And it was sad. It <laughs> yeah, was right. sad. He made all this gain and he paid back more tax than he actually got in his pocket. Now he's going to get it over time because it's a note. Right. But it was kind of sad to say you owed you know, whatever he owed, $75,000 in tax, and then he only got 50 up front. Yeah. So it's like so, painful. Yeah. No, it sounds painful. And you also mentioned before, you mentioned in that answer before we even started recording that you've done, you said four 1031 exchanges yeah. over the last like 45 days. Do you, yeah, I mean, like, obviously that, that plays into what you were just talking about, but do you think that's uh, also with, you know, like, I know there was a lot of concern uh, that the Biden administration was going to, you know, take 1031s off the table and you wouldn't yeah. be able to do that anymore, which I think maybe makes people a little bit more aggressive with doing something like that. No. Yeah, it does. And, and I think everyone across the board was worried about just increasing tax rates because it's, it's the end of the day, you know, we've done so much in terms of all of the stimulus money. And it's at some point, I think that we all sit back, forget politics. We know at some point taxes are going to go up. So I think a lot of it was driven about what was going to happen in 2021. Hey, it's like anything else in real estate. At some point you got to sell, you got to take gain. It's like the stock market. Yep. And the nice benefit of that 1031 was, yeah, you can defer the gain as long as you've got things set up, right? You know the rules. It's you got to get those properties secured in six months. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been it's kind of interesting. I've done a couple. I've had two right now that we're working on actually in, New, in one in New York, upstate New York, and then one right outside, right in the city. And it's, okay. they're huge gains. I mean, the gains are just enormous. So yeah, I got a feeling, you know, real estate prices, worry about taxes, worry about the new administration. It's been it's been a whirlwind yeah. when, you know, uh, for a lot of our clients, I mean, it's you know, real estate makes up a good portion of their net worth. 
Yeah. Right? And it's just been a hundred percent. And like from my vantage point, just doing a lot of the, the title work on, on my yeah. end, it's just like the market itself has just been so crazy commercial and residential, to be honest, especially here in New Jersey. Like you mentioned prices going down. I mean, prices are still pretty high. I mean, people were bidding like last year I had a client tell me he had someone, uh, put in a bid $150,000 over the asking price because he had gotten beat like eight or nine times on all these houses because the inventory was still so low and it was like, screw it. I'm just going for it. You know what I mean? So, but I, I'm assuming now I'm seeing, seeing some stuff kind of like at least come back to normal a little bit. And then obviously if rates go back to normal, then it's, you know, it, we should see some normal stuff, but how does one go from all the stuff that we're talking about where, the, you know, on the technical side and, tax advising and and whatever to being involved in endurance sports. Like how does, how does one make that jump? Is it just like, because you're sitting there crunching numbers all day, you're just like, I gotta, I gotta run away from here. Is that, is that what it is? <laughs> I gotta tell you, you know, th there's an aspect of it, Mike, that after like the last two years of was, we're not even in two years from PPP forgiveness loans to stimulus money, to unemployment, not being taxable to, 18 hour to 19 hour work days for four months and then extension of tax deadlines. Yeah. I like, like hell to get out and just <laughs> get myself away from it. And we have, I mean, I have employees, so, you know, it, it, at least I have help. However, no matter what, whoever has an accounting firm, or anything in tax, I mean, come tax time, which is, you know, corporates are extended and everything goes, it's not just until April, it goes until September or October, but the big, the big push has always been the first, you know, that first quarter, but these last two years, you know, we're extending the deadlines. You know, there's an accounting firm in the country likes, likes the extension of deadlines. It's just painful. You'd yeah. rather kill yourself to get through <laughs> it. Okay. And absolutely. And then you're done. And then you get a week pre. So I have started, I'd say the last, uh, it's been like about six years in a row after tax season, I take a pretty big dump away, meaning 30 day vacation, on my own, I could be biking across the country, doing a race in Europe, something that's lasting typically a month. My wife goes wild, but now she's used to it. And as long as she can track me on the map with the dots and watch me, then she's okay. But I, I have to say, I mean, the one aspect of it is I've raced, I mean, so like you, I mean, I played, I played baseball in college and I swam. And you got to really, I mean, you remember that time when it all ends. Oh, yeah. When it ends, it's like, wow. Yeah. It's, it's like a very oh. empty feeling for sure. It is, you know, and especially in team sports and individual, and it goes back, I think it's 35 or 36 years ago, I found a little entry form for a triathlon in Pittsburgh, and that started it all. So I have raced for 36 years. So I do it every year. Now I'm doing longer. These yeah. ones now are longer to kind of just mentally <laughs> get away from COVID, get away from like all of it. <laughs> right. And, I don't blame you. And, and I have to say at the end of the day, you know, these last several ones across the country racing, it really puts things in perspective of how great the country is. And I have stories that will blow you away what people have done for us in these races, literally in the middle of nowhere, someone takes you into their house and says, stay for the night. Yeah. I mean, you hear these stories, but until you actually see it and do it, it's like, my God, I mean, look at us. You know, we look like a mess. We haven't <laughs> showered in days. And the next thing you know, they're saying, well, you want to stay for dinner. So I, I, I think the aspect of the human connection with great people around the country. I mean, that, that is nice. And you get away from the, you know, the crazy hours that happens from end of January all the way through April. You know, yeah. Kind of so, so you're talking about these races across the country, um, different parts of the world and all that kind of stuff. So for the listeners that don't really know 
what you're talking about. What are you talking about? Are they triathlons? Is that what we're yeah. talking about here? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, I started in triathlons and I've kind of stuck to it. I've done ultra marathons, ultra cycling race across, you know, racing across America on your bike. But the, the most recent one is the, probably the one more, most interesting cause it's fresh in mind. Um, you know, I'm now alive, I'm recovered, but, uh, actually on May 25th, we actually, I, I put on the race and actually hosted it and raced the race the first across the country triathlon ever held as an official event. And it was basically doing a truck, one full triathlon, which consisted of a 31 mile swim in Orlando in a lake. Then we biked 3,073 miles all the way across to death Valley national park in California, you know, where everyone's hearing how hot it is out there. Yep. And then in death Valley, we got on the run and we started running from death Valley national park to just north of Malibu, 301 miles through the Mojave Desert and finished at Point Mugu State Park in California at the ocean. And then I got to jump in the ocean at the end. This was, this was let's just say we did the southern route. So the whole route across was on yeah. the south. And I don't know if I've ever experienced anything like that in this <laughs> record. Either. It was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, it, was, it was sketchy at least, let's say that from that perspective, in terms of heat that I've never felt in my life. It's right. crazy. Yeah. So, uh, so the, most of the, ra- this past race was a triathlon and then I've, you know, I've done bike races across the country, self-supported. So no help. You're on your own on the bike. You got the GPX map on your, on your little cyclo computer tells you kind of where to go. You eat at a gas station, you sleep in a ditch, you sleep in a cornfield, you sleep, you do whatever you can to kind of get across. You can stay in a hotel, but yeah. you follow the route. Um, and then we had support vehicles, actually friends of ours who you had to support, have support on the run because it's just too dangerous. I mean, you can't yeah, right. run for six days in the middle of the desert without any help. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, all the other stuff sounds crazy too, but that, yeah. I mean, to me is just a wild, but, yeah. um, but like, you're also talking about, uh, you know, like you just said, sleeping in a ditch, eating in a gas station. And I mean, I was writing it down as you were saying 31 mile swim over 3000 mile bike ride in death Valley. And then a yep. 300 mile over 300 mile run through the desert, basically. Like, right. why would anyone do that? Like what, like what, what kind of sick twisted mind? <laughs> yeah, going, someone, like, yeah. yeah. I get that question a lot. I, yeah. I, all right. I'll go back to 2013. Quick little story. I'm in Lake Garda, Italy. So this is kind of the Northern part of Italy. And we're doing the first ever, this is a b- official race, triple Deca Ironman. So this is an Ironman a day for 30 straight days. On day about 22, there were, there were only six of us left in the race. And the, myself and a gentleman from Spain were saying, would it be kind of cool to actually have a triathlon to go across a country? Yeah. And back at that time, there weren't self-supported bike racing. It was a completely different world back then. So the fire started from that, okay? We had, when the race finish ended, we had plenty of vino, and then we talked about it a little more. And it's always kind of been in my mind, boy, it'd be nice to, to host something like this. And I have a racing company. I've had a racing company for the last 15 years, put on events. And it's kind of interesting. And I thought, well, maybe it's a good time to do it. And then COVID hits. It was supposed to be in 2020 and then COVID hit. Right. Um, but I was surprised. I thought there might be myself and maybe two other idiots that would sign up for this thing. Right. <laughs> but, but there's a lot of people on this side who like to kind of go beyond. Yeah. You kind of see how far you can take it. And, and being sensible, I mean, making sure, sure you know, we're not going to die. Yeah, right. um, nobody wants that. And, 
No. And it's, it's like, it, it, that was the aspect of it, but there is a whole world of ultra triathlons like ultra running and ultra cycling, but just for triathlons. So there are all, we do races beyond the Ironman where you go day after day, but most of them are held in a circular loop where you have crew and aid stations, real short little one mile loops. And you do hamster wheels for days on end. Yeah. This was to try to do a point to point. So the fire started in 2013 and then we couldn't pull it off in 2020. We had to reschedule it to 2021. And at this point, I, I can't, I still can't believe we actually did what we did. Um, yeah. It was, it was quite interesting to say the least. Right. So. Well, it sounds interesting. So you mentioned some of these stories and if you could share a couple of them of like, you know, maybe yeah. meeting people across the, this trip, you know, and like yeah. inviting them into your home or whatever. Can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I, I find that very interesting because I yeah, think that that's part of it too. You know, like you're also, you're doing this crazy thing and then you're in the middle of, I don't even know where, somewhere in the yeah. South and someone's yeah. like, come into my home. And you're like, okay, you know, yeah. cause you're just maybe exhausted and just need a place to sleep. I don't know. So yeah, tell yeah. us about that. It was, yeah. And it, it gets back to no question, like humanity. I mean, and I, and I have such, such unbelievable belief in this country when you see what happens, what people do, and it gives you a different perspective when, when it's, when this is over and a big part of the book is going to be related to that, but as much negative as we get, you know, it's amazing how many great people there are. So I'll yep. give you the first one. I'll give you perspective. It's 97 degrees during the swim in Florida. And humidity was about 80%. But the bigger point, since you're in Jersey and I'm in Pittsburgh, we understand dew point. The people in the West that were in the race, they didn't understand what dew point means. Yeah. The dew point was 69%. Okay. Okay. So that gives you a, no, I'm sorry, 79%. 79, not in Pittsburgh, we get 69. It was 79% dew point. So we're in this swim. The water was hot. Get out. And we're on, we're first day of the bike. So we're swimming for almost two days. Okay get out, arms are sore, start up the bike. And now we're self-supported because you have some help on the swim. Um, go out on the bike and I get, um, we're past St. Augustine. So we're probably into day, I guess it was day two. And we're coming through this area. We're not on the panhandle yet. And we're in this little community and I'm trying to, we're trying to find, I'm with a couple of people racing and we're, we're like somewhat together and it's getting dark. It's like, okay, I'm not gonna ride all night tonight. Let's find a place to sleep, which means you just find a place anywhere. Yeah. Portageon, sleep in Portageon if you have to. If it's horrible weather, you just sleep in a Portageon. Um, so for us, we're going through this little nice neighborhood. It was a beautiful area, and we're getting close to the coast. Long story short, there's a guy behind me, and he, everyone has cell phone numbers. You know who they are. And he apparently stopped. There was a fellow who was actually grilling out. It was Memorial Day weekend. Calls us. I'm ahead. Another lady's ahead of me. Hey, come on back. I, I, a gentleman here asked us if we'd be interested in anything to eat. Now, when you're racing across the country, the answer is always yes. You never say no. You take anything you can get. But right. we have money. You realize we got money on us. Yeah, we can right. pay for it. Yeah. But no one, they get so upset if you try to pay for anything. So long story short, the gentleman invites us to his cookout, sets up chairs in his driveway. There's four, three of us. Calls his wife on the phone, said, hey, I've got a couple of cyclists who are coming through. Can you stop for more barbecue? Get some more musk, blah, 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 blah. His daughter's with him. She, their daughter comes home. Long story short, you know, I, I'm the salesperson. I'm kind of thinking in the back of my mind, that garage looks good versus the lake across the street, which is infested with mosquitoes. We're going to be yeah. bit to hell all night. Right. So if I got one inkling, if there's one opening that says, hey, are you sure you want to sleep out there? I was going to attack to get us in that house. Yeah. So the gentleman said that comes up at one point after all the food. 
And we're saying we don't know these people at all. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, we don't know these people at all. They're wonderful. And he said to me, or all of us, he said, you sure you want to sleep out there? I mean, there's gators in the lake. I said, yeah, well, I'm going to jump in and jump out. And he said, you know, I'm sure I can ask my wife. She's in the kitchen right now. I mean, we could probably get some room. And I said, of course, we can sleep in the garage, which then turned into no problem. Shower, we'll make beds for you. We have room. We're almost empty nesting with three strangers who look, I mean, you can imagine what we look like. I mean, right. we haven't showered yet. Um, and they, I mean, it was amazing. We had dinner. They made us breakfast the next morning and we left at 3 a.m. because we wanted to beat the heat. They had yep. it all prepared. Right. So that's one. And then another one was actually, I mean, this happened multiple times, but in New Mexico and in Texas, um, it got bad in terms of heat stroke. I've never had heat stroke in my life. I've had, it's a big difference between heat stroke and heat exhaustion. Yeah. Where everything goes awry. You're not sweating. It was 127 degrees Holy in moly. New Mexico and there's no one around. And long story short, one of the guys who was riding with us went up this road and we we're it's like, I'm ready to push the button for 911. I was that bad. Yeah. Another yeah. The lady was as well. No, he knocked on a ranch door. Rancher come out, said, no problem. Had a big, I mean, it's crazy. Had this big estate. He had a helicopter, him and his wife. They own hardware stores in Scottsdale. Drives his four by four, picks us up, feeds us for seven hours. And we still had to make it to Scottsdale that night in 120 some degrees. And just the humanity of like someone in his, his wife. The, the most interesting story was this, Mike. So just imagine, we come into this massive estate and, you know, and, and you know, you can imagine what we look like. And the, you don't want to sit on the furniture. You don't know what to do. Yeah. He said, oh, yeah, just sit on the furniture. It's fine. It's fine. His wife comes in, has no idea about any of this. <laughs> Walks in the door like nothing happened. So where are you guys from? You were out cycling. Not even the question of, like, ask her husband, like, what are these people doing in the house? <laughs> who the none of these that. people? Yeah. Yeah, who are these crazy idiots? <laughs> um, right. Which then turned into... Um, as I said, multiple hours, I mean, and, and it got, it was really sketchy because, you know, when you drink a gallon of water, you should probably be able to go to the bathroom. Yeah. We were at almost three gallons and we still couldn't go to the bathroom. That's how bad we were. And it was, it was really sketchy from a health perspective. Uh, but thank God they were there. Yeah. And thank God I had my wife because my wife was like the savior of, I would, she, she didn't know the magnitude of this, including the spouses of the others, husband, and then wife, my wife another wife. And I said, you know, can you do me a favor? Here's an address, send out, you know, those little fruit things you send out to people, edible, okay. arrangements. edible arrangements. Yeah. yeah. So I said, just FedEx these to these people. We're, what reason? So they were super nice. They kept us in a house. I didn't explain anything else until I got home to tell her the stories of how bad it got. <laughs> but I said, just send shit, just send a Pittsburgh basket, send stuff to them just because you didn't know what to do. I mean, they, right. they were, we left money at a couple and then they gave it to charity they called us and left us messages. It's like, you shouldn't have left us any money. But it was amazing what people did. And it was, yeah. one, it was at least five different places. Right. You know, I mean, it was incredible. Like yeah. convenience store owners. You know, imagine in the middle of Texas, near Big Bend National Park, heat exhaustion stroke, coming in, laying in the middle of a convenience store, like a 7-Eleven in the middle of the floor for four hours with gallons of water. No problem at all. Happens all the time. Just lay there. <laughs> And people are walking around us to go to the bathroom. I mean, it was nuts, but yeah. everyone's asking the question, are you guys okay? And that kind of thing. So there's right. the humanity was amazing the whole way of what, what people did, you yeah. know, and they don't even know the race is going on. No right. They just think that you're idea. just like maybe some local guy that, you know, probably yeah. picked the wrong day to go on his bike. 
but yeah. no, you picked the wrong day to come through their town to get to the next one. But um, so it's, it's, I find that very interesting because I think it just says you, you find out a lot about people when you're on yeah. this trip, but I, I think it also, you know, talking about this whole thing, I think you also, and I'm sure you would agree by during it. And by the end of it, I think you figure out a lot about yourself. Right. You so did. like, I mean, how many people you said were, were on this particular race that we're talking about? So we had uh, seven that started it because all the Europeans got stranded. Yeah. They couldn't get here, which right. was the sad part. Yeah. Uh, Cause the race was full the year prior and everyone had registered. Couldn't get here. Which yeah. So we had seven, Two of us officially finished. Michelle was ahead of me. So the two of us, and I, she's a good friend. But I think what it does do is you come back changed. Right. Every time I do one of these, and we did a ride during the middle of COVID last year in 2020, we left Pittsburgh and rode to Seattle during the middle of the riots and everything going crazy. We rode across and, we, and our whole idea was to support small business. So we went there to spend money. There's hotels, yeah. they got no one in them. No restaurants have anyone in them. You know, you mask up, everyone's good. So for us, it was life-changing last year. And I think this year as well, every time you come back, you, you are changed and it, yeah. it kind of sits in your brain for a period of time. Right. Yeah, I know. I would imagine I, it, it, it's very cool. I don't think that I would ever do something <laughs> like that, but you never know. I mean, maybe yeah. one day my, my whole thought process on that changes, but I, I mean, yeah. we talked about after the baseball thing and you know, like I used to run when I, yeah. I was a pitcher. So I didn't run a ton, but a lot of like right. sprints and stuff. But yeah. once I was done with college, I'm like, I'm literally never running again. You know, like that was like, <laughs> that was the thing. Like I'll, you know, exercise and I'll keep myself in yeah. relatively good shape, but you know, running, forget it. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, but man, the, the bike thing sounds good. Maybe I'll try that. You know, I don't know. But anyway, so we're talking about, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're talking about, um, these, these triathlons and these races and, and all this kind of stuff, but you're also an author, right? Yeah. So how many books up to this point, not including the one that you're working on right now, have you, have you written? So I've written four books. Um, three of them are related to the sport of triathlon. Okay. So three are triathlon and one was a goals book. So I want, which was not related to triathlon. It was a goals technique that I kind of incorporated 20 some years ago. And it was in the book was called never say I wish I had. And it was kind of this process. And I'm kind of analytical, as you can imagine, being in accounting and numbers. Sure. So I was very methodical. So this that was four before this is the fifth one. And this one will be purely about the race and what actually happened with the stories about, as I said, humanity across the country. So this is number five. Right. And so what, what's that experience been like writing all these books? And is yeah. it like, is it good to get the message out? Like, do you have people reaching out to you to like learn more about what this is all about and what could potentially do for them? That kind of thing. Yeah. And, and it for me, it was a give back to the sport. I mean, more than anything else, when I started the triathlon book, it was, you know, it, and, and you think about it like endurance athletes, you know, you do a 5k, 10k marathon, they try an ultra marathon, they try a triathlon, you go through these steps and then they do an Ironman. Well, there's a whole world beyond that. And it was to try to provide a little bit of exposure to the to the sport that we invented here in Mo, in Huntsville, Alabama, the first ultra triathlon, double Ironman, so two times the Ironman distance. And Europe has taken it to another level because we have so many different things to do. But Europe, they have so many more participants than we do. So the idea was to make a user friendly. You don't have to quit your job to train for a double Ironman. That's how it started. And I have to say. I recommend it heavily. Writing a book was, it was just a lot of fun. I had a publisher and, you know, and, and it was just a great experience to try to talk about something you're passionate about 
to see if you could get someone, hey, you know what, I might give this a go. It wasn't about making money. It was just a give back to the sport, who's, which has done a lot for me of all the people I've met around the world because of the sport. I mean, so for me, it was that. Uh, and then the other versions were different components of that triathlon space in the ultra, ultra distance area. And then the goals book was just this thing that kind of started out of nowhere um, kind of thing. So for me, and it, it launched in a bunch of things. I mean, seminars and can you come speak to the group about goal setting our sales team? I mean, I don't think I would have ever expected. And this is a true story. Edison, New Jersey. Do you know where that is? I do. Yes. I got a tweet because I had a, I had a, I hired a company in India to do all this like social media stuff. And I got a tweet back from this company in Edison, New Jersey. This is about 10 years ago. that needed to come in and tell their salespeople on training about goals. Long story short, I said, well, I'm sure I can create something. And it turned into a $40,000 engagement from a tweet from a darn little book. And it was never about money. It really wasn't. So we were able to contribute it back to a couple of the local charities there, which was really fun that the company worked with. So for me, it's, it's a great experience to write a book. I I really, I I highly recommend it to anyone. And it doesn't matter if anyone buys it. The experience makes you a better writer. It makes you a better listener. And when you write that email the next time you actually, you become a little bit better. So for me, it was kind of fun. I'm no great writer by any means. Right. But I, I do think, and, and part of having this podcast thing is like, I'll ask people to come on the show and they're like, well, I don't really know what I would say. And it's like, well, everybody's got something to share. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care who you are. You could be an ultra triathlon guy, whatever. You know, you could do stuff like me. You could do I mean, you could do anything. But like, there's going to be somebody that's going to be able to resonate with that story. And books are no different than doing something like this and sharing a story, right? So you put that stuff out there and then it helps people. And then it seems to me that you're somebody that is like looking to help people, I would imagine, yeah, right? That's the whole point. That yeah. was the whole point. And, and mine were nonfiction, of course. So it's it's there. Can they? Can we provide an idea that they could take? It's not fiction where it's a story. It's more nonfiction. Hey, use it. It might work. Yeah. Kind of thing, which right. is kind of fun. It was fun doing it. Yeah. So, and then the this new book, this is going to be kind of so, the stories and stuff like that. The, some of them that you shared just now and, you know, yeah. more about like the race itself, the one that you just did back in, in May. Yeah. And it's going to be more related to as I said, the experiences and stories more than, well, we were grinding at mile 120 of the run and everything was falling apart. Yeah, we'll talk about, about some of the horror, but the most of it is about what we saw with this course, which was, and I think we've retired it. I don't think it'll ever be done again because I have to say, it wasn't dangerous from cars being getting hit on a bike or anything like that. The heat was like nothing any of us ever experienced. And we knew it would be bad. I don't think we knew it would be this bad where you're, right. you know, you're, it's, you're really kind of far out on the edge. So we're doing a new race next year and it'll be Northeast. We're going from Orlando to Cumberland, Maryland, and then Cumberland, Maryland to Point State Park in Pittsburgh and finish right at the city. So we're going to do a different one. So yeah, different, but um, yeah, this, this book will be more related to the humanity stories and what we actually saw going along the way. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Some of the stuff we saw. Like, right mind-boggling yeah but you did you say there was a timetable on that like is there like yeah, a, so you're I'm, trying yeah, to get I'm it hoping. done by yeah so mike i'm trying to the focus is if i can get it all wrapped up by the end of the year and it's not just my stories i've got the stories from the other athletes who had their own stories that you know i wasn't there to see that you know someone kind of picked them up on the side of the road and said hey are you okay you know um right so if i can get it done by year end we'll have it launched out by the beginning maybe first quarter 2022 would be nice That'd be the target if I can pull it off. 
All right. Yeah. Well, let me know and I'll, you know, check it out. Sure. I definitely want to check it out. Yeah. yeah. We'll ping, I'll send one over to you for sure. Yeah. Awesome. You'll, get, you'll get some chucker, chuckles, I think. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the other things that I saw on uh, one of the websites when I was looking through here, maybe wayne-kurtz.com. And yeah. one of the things that I said at the in, at, in the intro was the coach part of it. So mm-hmm. what type of things, I mean, I know you mentioned some speaking engagements that you've had, but do you work like one-on-one with people on certain things? And if you do, what is that thing? Or is it more like you said with the sales teams and that kind of stuff? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I have, I've coached athletes in the, in the, in the ultra tri space for years, you know, and I formalized it. Oh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, but before that I would always kind of give them advice and whatever else. So there's one aspect of that. I've done um, goals coaching for individuals in the past which is all, you know, not kind of like life coaching, but accountability of, I don't get paid until they get the goal done. So I I reverse it. I flip it. So I'm going to push you to like get the goal done or whatever it is. It's not sports. It could be anything. I'm going to start my business. I'm going to be an entrepreneur, whatever. Um, So I still have uh, clients that I do that with on, on a regular basis. Uh, Speaking. Yeah, I think I'm getting old. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, like I, I've flown a million miles. I missed 9-11 with my office in Tower 2 by one day or we wouldn't have had this conversation. Right. Lost wow. 180 people in my company. And yeah. you were there. I mean, you know how bad it is. Yeah. New York is my heart. I love New York. And for me, it's just I don't fly as much anymore, which means, you know, and there's not as much public speaking. Yeah. Um, we did the Zoom stuff, Mike, with the, you know, with the craziness with the COVID. But it's just not the same until you get into a room with a bunch of people sure. and you can get the emotion. So I've kind of pulled back on that to a certain degree. It's like a, you know, it's like a, I enjoy doing it, but the the travel stuff kind of gets to me. I think it's, I don't know, it's just age. Maybe that's it. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm at the time of this recording, I'm getting on a plane and I'm flying out to Vegas tomorrow. And yeah. I'm not like, I mean, <laughs> I, I am not afraid of flying or anything yeah. like that. It's just like the process, like to it go is. to the airport, especially like, I mean, I, Newark is fine, you know, yeah. like it's big yeah. and it's crazy, but like, it's, it's a big airport. So it's got stuff to do. So, you yep. know, so I'll have a drink and I'll get ready to get on the plane, but I don't know. It's just like the whole process, like the security thing, the checking in. PSA, yeah. Forget it. I just hate it. Yeah. I got an idea for you. Here's an idea for you. <laughs> well, you give me it to me. All right. So last year, number one thing everyone was buying during COVID, I pulled the trigger as a non-depreciable asset person. Like accounting, we don't, we don't really believe in like buying depreciable assets. Right. And right. I bought an RV. Okay. And I got to tell you, I have to tell you, honestly, it changes everything. I've gone on client. You take your time. Yeah. If you've been in one, I mean, I highly recommend it. It's life changing. And for me, I love it. Well, I've gone across the country three times in it. Middle yeah. of winter before tax season. It's been fun. So an idea for you if right. you're traveling a ton. Right. Which I'm not, but I think that's okay. maybe because of the fact that I don't yeah. really like to go through that process. Yeah. So maybe that's an opportunity for me to change up the process a little yeah. bit and approach it in a different way. So I like that idea. I could see right. myself being an RV guy. Can you see you drive an RV, you know, like yeah. big wheel, that kind of you, thing. You can rent one. You'll be good <laughs> to go. And it eliminates this. It eliminates that in and out, right? Pack the, pack the, the thing at the house, pack it, put it in the car, take the car, put it in baggage claim, yep. baggage claim off into the hotel, back forth. It does eliminate that pain and no TSA. Right. Yeah. I like that. I, I, I like that. So um, before we, I mean, as we're getting closer to the end of yeah. this episode, one of the things that you, that you've been talking about 
quite a bit. And I would hope I was hopeful that you could share maybe like some insight into it. So you had the goals book, and then you're also talking about goals just now. Can you give us like maybe some insight onto like uh, developing goals and the accountability side of that? Maybe like yeah. it could even be like a high level view of kind of what you work on with people. Uh, but yeah. if you could talk a little bit about that, that would be sweet. Yeah, for sure. So I think the the, the thing that I do a little bit different, um, and it just worked for me, was the idea of using a pen and a piece of paper, right? Because, you know, the Harvard studies show you, you learn a lot more when you actually physically write something down, taking notes yeah. versus typing it in the computer. So the way I do it, you know, typical goal setting, depending upon, you know, each scenario is you write your goals down, you put a timeline, not, not, a, not a month, a specific date, okay? And it could be five years. I try to keep them short because we don't know, especially with the world we live in today. Six months to a year, great. You can see where you want to be in 10 years. But this is what I do a little different. I write them down every day. The same thing same every day. Okay. At 4.30 in the morning, I do my journal, write my stuff. I write it. I physically write it. I bought a good journal. That's, it's like the same thing. Do you store your jewelry in a Walmart box that's worth a lot of money? Probably not. Same thing with the journal. Buy a good journal. But don't go to Walmart. Get like Spend a little bit of money. Get a nice one. Nice paper. And write in the journal. So I write it down. Of and it's just, it's not financial. It could be a whole bunch of different goals. Yeah. Life, yeah. family, whatever else. And I do the same thing every day because one thing I learned when I did this the first year in Vermont, Mount Snow used to have a home in Mount Snow. Crazy loving skiing is New Year's Day is the day I write down the next phase of this year. That kind of thing. Not resolutions. These are things I got to get done. And if I don't get them, I just push them out or or something. Or I just take them off because you got to change them. And what happens is when you write them, you'll achieve more of them. I don't know why it works. I'm not a scientist, but it works. Yeah. If you take your top four or five goals, put them on an index card and just stick it in your pocket. Don't do anything else. Don't put it on the wall. Don't put it in, on the mirror. Put it in your pocket. You know why? Because you go to your pocket, you're going to feel that. And you say, I just wasted time watching this stupid movie. And I should have been able to set up this company that I talked about doing my own gig on the side. And I'm still playing around with it. So right. for me, it's writing it. I believe in writing it. And I also believe more than anything, you got to have a deadline date on it. And it just, that works for me. I mean, I'm anal on it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm really on it. Like I will go crazy. And if, if it doesn't happen, you know, you just, you refocus, it might, might, and things change, but if you keep the goal short enough and make sure that they're important, right. And, right. and then got to get both spouses, if they're married on the same page, Yeah, they have theirs, you have yours. So when I talk to clients many times and we're doing goal stuff, I got to make sure like each of them have separate goals. You got to have your own. And then there's going to be some that are kind of somewhat together. And you got to come to some idea like, how are you going to make this work? But it's all about, to me, accountability, putting a client to the carpet. I do. Like yeah. I coach, I tell them. It's no different like in baseball, right? You got to throw that curveball. I don't care how you're coming in with a curveball, but you got to practice that curveball. It's the same thing on this, yeah. you practice goal setting every single day. That's right. the way I do it. No, I like that because I mean, with, with anything really, I mean, it just makes it like top of mind. You said four 30 in the morning. Um, we just yeah. have very different sleep schedules. So four 30 in the morning, yeah. might be like eight 30 in the morning for me. Yeah. But sure. at the same time, if I do that, the first thing in the, in the, you know, first thing in the morning for me, that makes it top of mind. And then I know yeah. like all day that that's something that I had to do. So, um, no, I think that's a, a very good way to approach it. Now, going off of that, uh, we always talk about goals on this. I like to talk about goals with people. So what mm -hmm. are some goals maybe that you wrote down this morning? 
What are you trying to accomplish outside of that? The book, you know, I know yep. the book's one of them, I'm sure. Uh, so what are some other things you're hoping to accomplish over the next year? Are you going to run another race anytime soon? Yeah. So that that's one that's been on like every day here. I, after I put this race on this year and after we got through this thing, and again, my, you know, I've only been back a month and a half since it right. ended. I kind of kept putting down, like when I got back, I'm trying to recover. Should I put on another one? So then it turned into, I'm going to create another one, not the same course, but to come and end up in my hometown, right at Point State Park in Pittsburgh. Is that doable? So every day I'm writing this down for like, okay, I got to make a decision on this. And the decision happened last Tuesday, whatever that date was. I said, I need to make a decision. Yep. August 3rd. August 3rd. That's my birthday. Fun fact. Hey, happy birthday. There you go. Thank you. Perfect. (laughs) On your birthday, Mike. Perfect. So I was thinking about you. Exactly. Uh, And the idea then came to fruition and I planned out the whole race course, everything else, had the team send out a social media post. Everyone went crazy. We're going to have it again. So I said, and you know, my wife was like not aware of any of this. Yeah. Not at all. Like you're going to do that. We're going to put this on again. So I think that was one that kind of started when I came back from the race. Um, Right now I have every single day got to finish the book. I got the title now that I've just kind of worked with. I need to have it done by December 31st. That's every day I'm writing that, which means I have to write 500 words a day. Every day is 500. If I don't get five, that's a goal. I write it down. I got to write 500 words. So I go through about seven things. Um, I've got an acquisition for my business on there and we we just started. And I said, I need to make a decision on the negotiation for an acquisition. Uh, that one is actually the end of September. It's like the 28th. So I put a pinpoint on that. Those yep. are some current ones. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of them are, you know, things I'm doing for the God kids, things we're doing, I'm going, you know, I'm married to a Greek woman. Okay. You know, there's lots of Greeks in New York, like killer restaurants. That's true. Too, yes. Right. You got the yeah. big diners on the Island and everything right. else. We have family there. So next year, uh, actually on my list there, which is in every day, we will spend one month, four weeks next September in Greece for our 20th anniversary. It's a goal. Very cool. Hey, yeah, we want to do that. So yeah. I do write them down. Awesome. No, I love that. Also, yeah. I, the one of the questions that I failed to ask, and you mentioned it again, how long does it take you to recover from something like you just did? Like the race you just did, how long does the recovery process take? Yeah, this, this one was really long. I, it could be age. And I think more importantly, it was age and heat. Yeah. The heat just fried me. Picture I mean, ass. Yeah. Usually, yeah. I mean, usually I'm okay in about two weeks. I'm back running. Not long, but I'm okay. Yeah. It has taken to feel 100% better almost four weeks. Now, I'm good now. I'm right. running fine. I did a 100-mile ride last weekend on the bike, so I'm okay. But it has taken a month to recover. And it wasn't just me. I asked some of the other folks that raced it, and they were in the same boat. I mean, I was sleeping 13 hours a day for the wow. first two weeks. Yeah. Like falling asleep in the office on the computer. Like, <laughs> I'm a like mess. head on the keyboard kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And I shouldn't be this tired. But, yeah, it, it – it, this one really took its toll and it clearly was this extreme heat. Yeah. I think. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. It has to be. I mean, even today, I mean, it was like 97 in New Jersey. It's and, unbelievable. You know, yeah. I mean, like I I'm tired and I didn't even run. I didn't like, mm-hmm. I drove, I drove. Yeah. And then we walked into the TJ Maxx. I needed to buy a shirt for my trip, you know? Yeah. So that was like, boy, my gas right now, but uh, it is hot. I know. <laughs> Pittsburgh, same thing. It's like 96 here. It's hot yeah. as heck right now. Yeah. Jeez. Yes. So, um, all right. So this has been amazing so far. So what I want to do now is move the show into our closing segment, which we call under the spotlight. So the spotlighters, uh, have been listening to Mike Ham and Wayne Kurtz talk for the last 45 minutes or so. Um, so what would be one thing that you would want them to walk away from this episode with? So you are under the spotlight. 
I think the biggest thing, and, and again, I'm going to take it from the perspective as consulting with individuals over the years in the financial space. If there's ever a time since last time we've seen this was 2009 to start your own business is now. The opportunity, and I, and I say that because we saw it with the U economy and all of this happened in 2009 after the crash, real estate blow up and everything else. And with what has changed in this space because of COVID, I tell everyone, I said, if you've been at the company for 20 years and you're it's like, yeah, I'm kind of bored, Wayne. It's like the same thing. I mean, I got, you know, I got, I got a bonus and I did okay. And I'm, I'm comfortable. And I, and I would say, you've talked to me in the past about going on your own. You have a potential opportunity to the marketplace to provide value. I always say this, what is the worst thing that can happen? It probably won't. You won't die. You're yeah. not going to die. You right. start your own right. business. You're probably not going to die. And I tell everyone, I said, you know, it's not made for everyone, but I have more introvert computer software people who I would have never thought would start their own company in completely different spaces that have nothing to do with programming. And I tell everyone, I said, until you give it a go, you know, it's worth a try. And again, it's always the financials. Can you cover it? That kind of thing. But I do think in this, this COVID world where everything is, is changed and it's going to continue to stay changed, just go to Manhattan, go down to Wall Street. Half of Wall Street is working at home. I yep. mean, they're not, even, they're not even down at Wall Street. Uh, you know, we were there uh, about a, three weeks ago, I guess. I was in the city. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. So I do think there's an opportunity to take advantage of what has happened in the entrepreneurial space. I think that's one for sure. And then I always tell everyone, you know, try something outside the norm, like whatever it is, because as soon as you get to my age and I'm, I'm, I'm getting there, I'm like 50, going to be 54. I look at what has happened in the last 24 months. I lost my mom and dad last year, both of them who my, or our best friends, right? Gone. Yeah. I have two, I mean, we all know this and I have two friends right now. One has 30 days to live. He's 56 with cancer with kids. Like it goes quick. Yeah. And my mom always told me, you know, when you get to 40, it really flies. You need to make a decision if you're going to go and have your own business by then, or it's too comfortable to do, not do it. But I would say, do some stuff. Because it, uh, the next thing you know, you know, we're going to funerals all the time. That's right. all we do is go to funerals. And yep. beyond COVID, I mean, we had plenty of people we know that died of COVID, like everyone does. So it's, it's that because it goes quick and get an RV. RV world is like unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great one to end on too. So awesome. I love it. That was a great under the spotlight. So, you know, start your own business, do something different, all that kind yep. of stuff. I, I love it. So um, if people need more Wayne, which after this episode, I can't imagine they would not need more of you. Uh, where can they go to get it? Yeah. So I, the, the, my main website for under my personal stuff, it's just Wayne hyphen Kurtz. So it's W-A-Y-N-E hyphen K-U-R-T-Z dot com. Off of that, there's racing platforms and a whole bunch of stuff that people kind of do for me, thank God. <laughs> and they keep managed, keep managed. We need to do some updates, but everything's there. Emails yeah. there, phone numbers there. You know, I'm a Pittsburgh guy, but I'm, a, I'm like a New Yorker by heart. I mean, I've spent so many years in New York and I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that it comes back like it always does. It always has. Yep. And, I, and you know, it was good to see a couple of weeks ago, there were people out, like people were shopping, like there were people back in the city. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, to me, it's like, I always view Pittsburgh as like Northeast. We've always been that quasi, right? We're on the fence. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So we'll put Wayne-Kurtz.com yeah. in the show notes, along with the morningspotlight.com, which is the show's website and the morningspotlight at gmail.com, which is the show's email address. 
Um, Wayne, thank you so much for coming on with us today. This was great. A little bit different than what we normally do for our real estate stuff, but I think that all of it is still inter interwoven, interconnected into the thank grand scheme of what we're talking about. So thank you so much for coming on with us. Super. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Of course. And everybody else, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Just a reminder that any views expressed in the morning spotlight are the views of the speaker and should not be construed to be the views of any other person, any employer, or any organization. Thank you. We'll see you next week.